<laughs> not Resident Evil 6? Hello and welcome everybody to the Geekscape Games Podcast. This is level 41! Nintendo ain't nothing to fuck with. I am Shane O'Hare, aka DJ Yella of Geekcase, Geekscape Games. With me, we have the MC Ren himself, Josh Jackson. Why do I have to be MC Ren? Who do you want to be? I want to be Ice Cube. You, the Ice Cube <laughs> himself, Josh Jackson. Are you good with that? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been cuffed before, so I feel like this theme's appropriate. <laughs> and rounding out the GWA, that's gamers with attitude, is our own. Dr. Dre, Juan Carlos. I've written shotgun in a cop car. Well, okay. That's um, the, the, the disparity between uh, Josh's account and your account are, are, are grand. That's because when I was going to uh, Long Beach Community College, <laughs> my minivan broke down on the 710 and I got picked up on the 710 freeway because I used the call box. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, I'm not even going to begin to tell you about my troubles. Um, you can probably tell that we are down a person. Uh, Derek Kranevelt, uh stuck at work. Um, so um, I'm going to, since we got the uh, the ghetto hood rat uh, motif going right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop a pop a can. And uh, <laughs> oh, awesome. I thought it was I thought he was missing because Canada doesn't have police, so there's no need. There's, he had no way of fitting into the theme this week. It's it's gonna be difficult to be gangster when you just came <laughs> off a Taylor oh. Swift concert. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just I saw my fir- <laughs> saw my first Destiny Red Bull in the store today, so I chugged it in the honor of <laughs> Derek. <laughs> and if you needed further proof that you shouldn't be drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Uh, much like the title, Nintendo ate nothing to fuck with. And an interesting story that came out today: a uh, Nintendo Treehouse employee, uh, Chris Pranger, was fired after a podcast interview. Now, one, we were started to talk about it in the pre-show, and I wanted you to talk about it on air. So, tell us about what happened. Well, Chris Pranger was on another site um, doing a podcast interview. I think it was Part-Time Gamers, and he went into detail about. Um, because he works in Treehouse and what Nintendo Treehouse does, they localize a lot of the Japanese games that we get. Um, so he started talking about why certain games like Captain Rainbow, something that a lot of fans were complaining about uh, getting about two years ago or so, maybe even longer than that, uh, why it never came to the States. And he got into detail about what Nintendo looks at in localizing certain games, um, saying that, yeah, you guys are a vocal part of the internet community, but that doesn't equate to um, a lot of revenue. Uh, stuff like for Xenoblade Chronicles, for example, a game that wasn't intended to be released here, but we still got it. If you played it, you'll notice that a lot of the voice acting, they sound like they're from, you know, Britain. It's all English. And, you know, people are like, why does Shulk sound like he's like from, a, you know, Charles Dickens play? It's because it was uh, localized there. Oh, really? Yeah, it was all localized there. So when we got it, the North American version, it was just uh, Nintendo of uh, Europe's version. So that's why all the characters have that accent. Now, is is Treehouse purely a, a Nintendo of America a branch? Uh, or do they have Treehouses everywhere? No I pun would imagine, intended. Yeah, <laughs> I would <laughs> yeah. imagine that uh, Nintendo of Europe has its own. 
Okay. But yeah, yeah, we have ours. The ones that we see at E3 is from Nintendo Treehouse of America. Uh, but you know, he got into detail why you know some games get localized, why some don't, and getting into real specific nitty gritty things. Not 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 giving away trade secrets, but just sharing discussions or things that uh, may have been going out going down behind closed doors. What ended up happening was today um, he was fired. Uh, because it was posted first on the company's on the you know the site's uh, webpage, then Go Nintendo picked up on the story, Kotaku picked up on the story, IGN picked up on the story about Forbes. Oh, Forbes, Forbes picked, picked up, on the, up on the story, saying not just about why games get localized, but he went on like things like uh, Nintendo employee defends Wii U name uh, selection. Nintendo employee discusses why Captain Rainbow never got here. So you know a lot of this stuff started making the rounds on NeoGAF and on Reddit. And ultimately, Nintendo caught wind of this. And as with any company, uh, and for those of you who are, you know, still in high school or in college and not not picked up a big time, you know, career yet, when you do, you're going to sign a couple of contracts about your pay, about your pension, about your retirement, 401k, and all that stuff. But another big thing you're going to sign is like non-disclosures, and you can't share company secrets. You can't share company information. Anything that's discussed in an admin meeting uh, uh, with uh, bosses, any anything of that nature, you cannot discuss. You can't post things on uh, Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook about what you're doing behind closed doors at your job. It's It's been a practice. It's been around for the longest time. Unfortunately for Chris Pranger, this also applies to him. And even though a lot of the things um, that he discussed weren't things that some of us already speculated and kind of already knew... Um, the fact that a Nintendo employee discussed openly certain things that went down in you know, the company. And you know what? If Nintendo knew he was going to be on the podcast and gave him approval to go ahead and talk, then that would have been another story. He would have been fine. But the yeah. fact that he did this without their consent, without them knowing he was going to do it, um, hurt him in the end. And which was really unfortunate because he was on the Nintendo Treehouse that you saw at E3 this year. Um and he, for all in, intents and purposes, he seems like a really great guy who did admire and love his job. And to see him lose it is heartbreaking. He, um, uh, uh, Forbes uh, had scrubbed um, a Facebook post that he had deleted. And I'm going to read it because um, it's, <laughs> it's really fucking like, hard to read. It says, um, Pranger wrote, I look around my house and see images of my son and feel such intense shame and crippling sadness. I know that if I can't find a job, at least as good as this one, I won't be able to provide for my family. I've lost them their health coverage and their security. I, I also know that I've probably lost a good deal of my friends just because I know how hard it can be to stay in touch with someone when the convenience of proximity is lost. I'm so sorry to everyone. I failed you. You believed in me and supported me and trusted me. I failed you. I failed me. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. And uh, one thing that... um. Uh, that I noticed in here was um, uh, he he talked about how Sa- Sakurai t- took like all the um, all the uh, the negative press about anything like super to heart like super to heart. Yeah, he, he said uh, Sakurai's outlook on on the games is very dire. He gets really sad when he finds out how people are overreacting when he get and he gets sad whenever there's a leak because he really wants to cre- uh, he really wants to create. He's an auteur in the most crazy sense. He's basically Vincent Van Gogh cutting off his own ear, and we're and we're sitting there going, "Stop doing that." Um, and he responds well, with, "You guys don't get it. It's my vision." 
So yeah, well, to be fair, Van Gogh shouldn't have cut off his ear. Well, there's a there's you know there's more stuff going on. Sakurai looks like a guy who might have a little uh little weird might might a little disconnect going on up in the head. At Don't first, most when you said that when at first when you said Sakurai was taking and then paused for a while, I thought you were gonna say he was taking all the amiibo. <laughs> and then I was like, well, that would have explained a lot. <laughs> Yeah, but ulti- was. You know, ultimately, let this be a lesson to everybody, you know, not just in the video game business, but just in business in general. When the age where, you know, we tend to share a lot of our lives with other people and a lot of people we don't know personally, we get caught up in what kind of information we share. Absolutely. You know? So, um, you know, when it comes to what you're doing at work, you know, that's I, I'll never talk in detail. I'll share, you know, what's going on with my, my classroom, what we're doing, but I'll never get in detail about any specific child, any uh, a colleague, anybody in my administration team. That stuff stays there. You know, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, what what I'm doing here playing games and, you know, but if anything regarding my professional life, you know, it, I don't think it's that important nor anybody really cares about. Uh, but if, you know, if you're talking about, any kid, and we've seen teachers, for example, that get fired because they talk about certain situations with kids. Kids get in trouble because they talk about certain things on Instagram and MySpace. Well, God, I said MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we, we had the discussion years ago when MySpace was still being used. And for the two of you who still use it, God bless you. <laughs> but, you know, just don't share a lot of information. And, you know, this kind of solidifies the fact that on Geekscape Games, we will never have a Nintendo employee on the show. Or any employee of any company, unless it's you know okayed by them first. But no off the cuff, you know. Hey, so how's it like working at Nintendo Treehouse, or how's it working at Sega, or you know Sony? We're never gonna have Reggie guy a dick. (laughs) Yeah, totally right. So uh, what amiibos are coming out? Yes, we'll never get that. But you know, and you know what? Even though Chris Pranger, I mean, that letter just hurts just to hear. He's going to get another job. Some some company's going to pick him up really quickly. I mean, he's a young guy. It, it's it's a it's a kind of a foolish mistake, but you know this 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 is not going to be something where he's going to be unemployed for a lengthy amount of time. I mean, people like that they get picked up really quickly. And the thing is, like as as much as Nintendo can sometimes be a punchline, they are they are they are king. I, I mean, like if he got hired by Nintendo, he had to have had some serious chops and Absolutely. be good at what he did. And you know what, Nintendo, for, for all we know, and, and this is where their hands are tied. When an employee does something of that nature, uh, it, it's, and this just, I'm just use the, the, the teaching reference here. If a kid I even personally like and respect, you know, I know they try hard, but if they're caught cheating, I can't, you know, give them any less punishment that I would give anybody else. I can't let my personal feelings get in the way. I have to go by what's written in the code of conduct. Nintendo, I'm sure the people who, you know, are as higher ups really like him. I mean, they wouldn't have, if they didn't, they wouldn't have given the position of going on E3 and and doing those Treehouse live segments. He's good at his job. And I'm sure when this started making the rounds on the net, on Kotaku and, and, you know, and IGN on Forbes, they were. They had to give him a call or called him in the office. And say, hey, you know what? Unfortunately, our hands are tied here. This happened, and by our guidelines, we have to terminate you. Yeah. You know, and the and the most we can give you letters of rec. I'm sure we can make nice phone calls, but yeah, you know, I mean, we have to let you go. I, I mean, it's really tough because I'm sure nobody like I'm sure they didn't want to fire him and and, and let him go because of what you just said. He's a good talent, and you know some other company is going to get him. 
but I, for him, I know Chris Pranger just by his words and the post that he's made. Like I know it hurts him deeply. You know, I mean, this guy wears his heart on his sleeve, and and it just, it, I feel, you can't help but feel for the guy. Yeah, it, it's 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 heartbreaking. Um, but then it, Nintendo's always been a really secretive company. Um, I know that when Nintendo or Nintendo when Mega sixty four was asked by Nintendo to do the um, the uh, Reggie fees a mech video last year, and then the Reggie trains for E three video this year. Um, they on their podcast they said that they were the f- they were the first company to ever film inside of Nintendo that wasn't Nintendo. That's right. They are the the first like outsiders to be in their conference room, and they they talked about how there was like entire like like they you know like when you're in a company like that you have like memorabilia and stuff around uh, uh you know on the walls pictures and in shadow boxes. They said that like, hey, you can't film this hallway. You can't film these mm-hmm. conference rooms. And at one point, I don't know if Rocco was joking, but like he he was like seriously told, you you can't look at this. Don't even look at it. Okay, <laughs> oh like like you're not you're not allowed to look at this this wall. And it's like okay, so it it makes sense that Nintendo is um is a uh, a company that was if somebody violates it, they're like you know, hey, we hate to do this, but you know, it sends a big fucking message. You know, and this is not the first time. I mean, when people are hired by Nintendo, they're told from the get-go, like, there are things you cannot talk about. There have been a couple of employees from IGN, for example, who worked off as writers there and then got jobs at Nintendo Treehouse. For example, Audrey Drake, who was a longtime contributor at IGN, uh, specifically on the Nintendo side. She was hired by Nintendo Treehouse, I think, about two years ago now. And she left a post on IGN as her final like farewell and thank you saying because of this job uh, prom- um, that she's taken up in Seattle, she can't post anything um, Nintendo related anymore. Like she's going to stop altogether. Absolutely, so, yeah. so she says uh, on her Twitter because I was one of her followers there and she was like, yeah, unfortunately I can't post anything about Nintendo anymore. Uh, if I post about anything, it'll be just about me and what I do. But um, anything video game related, um, it's pretty much done. So it's a sacrifice that you make for that job. I mean, it's a job that many people want and strive to get and hope they get one day. She got it. But when you get those kind of jobs, you do have to make sacrifices. So your involvement in social media is pretty much done. Yeah, completely done. Um, it's it. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. Um, it, you know, I, I feel for the guy, but. He he says in his post that he should have gotten approval beforehand. So and that's true. And, and so, but you know what? Uh, I'm sure the next time we see his name on, on the news, it'll be something a lot more positive. Yeah, he'll um, he'll be working at EA. <laughs> and you know what? The, and as the funny a thing is that I mean, you know, we know how the non-disclosures work and everything. So of course he was going to get fired. But a lot of what he said was kind of like common sense too which is kind of the ironic thing about it. It's like if you follow Nintendo close enough and know their release patterns and what they release and what they don't, like he didn't really say anything that was particularly like mind-blowing or anything. So it kind of makes it all, it makes it so much worse that he got fired for, while still disclosing you well, know, information thi- he shouldn't have, it was stuff that we all probably could have guessed on our own. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's speculation, but for somebody that has that big Nintendo like employee badge to verify it, it it's it it's it's just I mean, we can speculate all you want and have as mo- you know, the most educated guess about anything, but then the moment Nintendo's like, actually here's proof that you're all wrong. 
it, it's still it's still speculation for a region. So Nintendo probably enjoys the air of secrecy that that they uh, have been able to um uh right. to, to live off of. Yeah. What um in much lighter news, uh we're getting a Resident Evil 2 remake. Um how fucking awesome it's a long time is that? Coming. I mean, um, the video, like, uh, Capcom announced it by putting a video up on the official Resident Evil YouTube page, and um, the head producer from um, the Research and Development Division 1, um, Yoshiaki Hirabashi, um, who goes by H, uh, just said, hey, we've been listening to fans, um, we've, like, we, we really listen to our fans, and we're gonna remake Resident Evil 2. It's gonna be remade on the Unreal 4 engine, and they're, um, what's really interesting is that they want to keep this open dialogue with fans on their Facebook page, and, you know, when stuff comes out and they can release more stuff, they want to talk with fans and get their input on the game process. Uh, I couldn't be more excited. Um, RE2 was the first survival horror game I ever played. I played the N64 version. And probably one of my favorite games on the GameCube was the Resident Evil 1 remake. So to see RE2 come out, because I remember a few months ago, we talked about that um, uh, some company out of Spain, uh, or company, some group of guys out of Spain were remaking RE2 um, in, I think, the Havoc engine. Like, it was like a free, unofficial remake of it, and I, I talked about it briefly, but... Um, now we're getting the official one, so those guys can stop. <laughs> and if they don't, Capcom's <laughs> probably going to make them. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I doubt that Capcom would do this as a retaliatory move, but, um, like, could be. Um, what do you, what do you guys think? Like, we, we keep lambasting these constant remakes, but this is a remake we want, and... It, yeah, because there's a, a big difference between for. remaking a game that's almost 20 years old and remaking a game that came out last year. So, but... <laughs> No, Resident <laughs> Evil 2 was the first Resident Evil that I played com- like from beginning to end, and it does have this huge nostalgia factor to it, but even outside of all of that, you know, the scenery, the environments, the monster design and everything was so good, and being able to see it updated and in a format where all the characters are going to look really grainy because of the graphics of the time, like, it, yeah. ha- it sounds like it's going to have the potential to be, like, something really, really great, and hopefully reinitiate a whole new generation of gamers towards what made Resident Evil so exciting to begin with since it's kind of uh, hit like some lower points in more recent years. Now, would you would you want to see it um, remade like RE1 was remade or remade into like a uh, Resident Evil 4 over-the-shoulder uh, control scheme? Like, would you, would you want the fixed perspective or would you want the third-person um, action? I would want it more like the old ones. Because that was a big part of what made the atmosphere as strong as it was. Now, they, there could always be the... Uh, they could always make a concession and make it more like Resident Evil Revelations, where it's the over-the-shoulder view of 4, but it's the slower, uh, more methodical type of gameplay uh, that's more comparable to the old ones. So, I mean, they'll probably, they'll yeah. probably go with over-the-shoulder. I don't see them really d- uh, making a brand new game from the ground up with the old uh, style, but if I were to have one or the other, I would take the old one. I mean, especially as impressive as the Unreal 4 engine is, they, they're probably going to go over the shoulder. Um, Juan, are you a big RE2 fan? Uh, not as other people. My Actually, my first 
Resident Evil game was four. Whoa! Because I didn't get the have, fuck out. I didn't have a PlayStation when I was growing up. I, I just was, told you that I played RE2 on the 64. I didn't play that one. I, I, I didn't. I've seen it being played. So I never. I you know my buddy Archie had one, so I watched him play it. So I just remember seeing the dogs breaking through the hallway windows and just kind of getting freaked out. Then, but I mean, other than that, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But I it didn't catch my attention too much. Uh, it wasn't until I played four that I went back and played two. And by then it was like, but, uh, uh, I, I'm ex- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was you know it's kind of like seeing Alfred Hitchcock movies now. You know, like <laughs> I'm sure like back then it was scary as hell. But like I had an ex girlfriend who like, oh, you have to watch the birds. The birds is a is a horrific. It's it's a frightening movie. That was probably one of the bo- most boring movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the art- artistry of the the film, but as far as it being scary by today's standards, no way, dude. I've seen episode of Sophia the First that's scarier than that. But I just, I just got a press release for Sophia the First the other day. I, I, I'm actually doing that interview tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, y- you know, it's I, I'm I'm excited. You know, I, I'll you know I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But uh, you know. Um, Hopefully, if they do a good job with this one, maybe you know, make another Resident Evil that's new. Well, new <laughs> Resident, Resident Evil, new Resident and good don't seem to go together too well lately. Uh, unless it's on the 3DS. Unless yeah, it's on the Revelations 3DS. Two is actually pretty good. It just was. It yeah, wasn't yeah. on the I, 3DS for no real reason, or Wii U for that matter. It's coming out on Vita next month, and they skipped the Wii U. Jeez. <laughs> Weird. Um, one one last thing I'll talk about real quick, and I'll let you guys get into your stories. But uh, Fallout Shelter has hit the Android platform today. It's on the Google Play Store. Um, the game that earned Bethesda $5.1 million Jeez. in two weeks is now on uh, the Android. I haven't been able to get a play it yet. I downloaded and installed it, but I haven't gotten a chance. Um, so uh, that's... It's good news for uh, people that aren't part of Cult of Apple, which you two, I know you're... No, Josh, you're, I have an you iPhone, have an iPhone, but I'm not Cult of Apple. Like, I'll, if the okay. right circumstances came along, I'd switch over. The only reason I even got a new iPhone was because the guy suggested that I keep everything since it would upload all my contacts and stuff automatically. Yeah, but you got that on, on Gmail, too? Everything is attached not to your mine. Gmail. I don't trust Google. Well, you- well, hey, but that, was a, that was a necessity. That was a necessity with my contract. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, that's just what I want to talk about. What do you guys? What do you guys got on the uh, radar uh, um, this week? Well, first of all, just to swing back around to Nintendo, um, the Mario Maker overview came out, and that had a ton ah. of new information on what we could expect from the game. Which I've said in past episodes, I wasn't terribly excited about, but as more information surfaces. Like, there's more and more reasons for me to want to play it. And a big part of that was... Play it or, play it um, or buy it. I'm probably it. not going to buy it right away. But but right. then again, maybe I will, because Nint- it's not like Nintendo's games ever go on sale. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, true. like, I'm still on the fence, because there's a lot of stuff coming out this year. This is kind of a packed uh, holiday season in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, and, like, the biggest takeaway that I had from it was... Of course, the Amiibo support, where they're promising. What did they say about fifty-ish? Like, yeah, at least at fifty least characters 50. are going to be compatible, including Mario. I mean, including, uh, of course, Mario, obviously. Um, Sonic and Mega Man, <laughs> which people were pretty excited about, and 
for a good reason, since you're going to actually be able to play as um, an iconic character like Mega Man or Mario's old rival in a Mario game. That's not involving Olympics or bobsledding or anything. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's surreal to think that if you would have gone 20 years ago and said, in the future, there's going to be a Nintendo game where you can create your own Mario games in four different graphical styles and, get this, wait, you can have... Four? S- I thought there was just two. Mario 1, there's Mario four. 3, wait, Mario wait, wait, World, and New Super Mario Brothers. Oh. I didn't know that. On the fly. You could change it on the fly, too, which is Shit. amazing. Which but, did, did any of you guys play any of the yeah, Halo Anniversary, Anniversary games? One. That's yeah. I love that. Just push the back button. You yeah, can watch and, the graphics change. That that was really cool. And I, it's funny when you see the difference. Like uh, you know when you crash land and you're you're in that you know the nice little landscape. When you have the new graphics and you flip to the old ones, I'm like oh my god! Like you can really tell. But when I first played that game, I thought it was like the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Yeah, and then you you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? Uh, but like, this looks like crap. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It. It's. It's. It's really, really funny to you know after years and years, and you see the big difference in graphics. And I'm sure, we're, like twenty years from now, we're gonna be saying the same things. We're like, oh my god, we thought the PS4 had amazing graphics. Oh, it's <laughs> garbage. I don't know though. I feel like uh, this but is a yeah, completely you, different but, subject, but I almost feel like graphics have almost peaked. I don't know about you guys. That, that's what everybody says. Yeah, you know what we said. And I'll I'll never say that because there's a a very favorite comedian of mine, Bill Hicks, uh, once said that. Uh, Terminator 2 was the pinnacle of movie special effects. Terminator 2, which, yeah, had that cool liquid Terminator effect, but if he lived long enough to see the stuff that's out in theaters now, he wouldn't believe it. So uh, to, to, bring, to bring that statement back around to games, we had that liquid Terminator effect as a level select in Super Mario 64. Oh, yeah, right. Remember the level that was like... Mm-hmm. So there you go, Bill Hicks. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but going back, like it's it's just surreal to say, like you know, we're gonna have a game where you could design your own Mario game. So, in in a way, you there's with this game, there can never you can always create a new Mario game. You don't have to wait a year or two. You can design it yourself and send it to friends. I was just telling John, you know, what we should do as a Geekscape Games crew for those of us who pick up the game, we should design Super Mario Brothers the Geekscape Games version. Where each one of us designs a world with four stages, uh, and we can decide who's going to do the water levels, who's going to do the sky levels, and all of us put I'll it do together. The level with dicks. <laughs> since they in the overview, since they said you can record your own sound clips and have those sound effects go off when you hit blocks, we could just have a episode that Derek or an episode a level that Derek makes drunk, and like each block is a different like word <laughs> of his rambling. <laughs> oh my god cl- yeah and then it's like you keep, hitting the qu- you keep hitting the music blocks and then he's like I'm being serious here guys and I'm trying to have a serious moment <laughs> I, I still I, I, I still like just listen to that one part like 25 minutes in and just he's just rambling and rambling he's like I love you Juan thank you thank I was you so waiting, much I was waiting for him to say I see a motorcycle <laughs> That would have made the moment complete. <laughs> and somehow he wakes up with two twisted ankles. <laughs> oh, Comic-Con. But uh, uh, the other news, uh, just well, just to kind of end on the Super Mario Maker, I wasn't 
I was intrigued at first. I I cannot hold back my excitement enough. I, I thought, is this really going to be the game that's going to lead Nintendo into the holidays for 2015? And now it seems like such a safe bet. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to strike major gold with this. I mean, it's not just a new Mario game. It's it's any Mario game you want it to be. And to and, and you know what? We're going to see some fast, fantastic level designs from a lot of people out there. I'm uh, There's a lot of our buddies who make games for a living. I'm dying to see what they do with this. You know? Uh, yes. So, yes. You, you know, there's uh, Josh. You know, you've been to a lot of the, the game nights in L.A. where, you know, Angry Bananas right. puts together with Carlos Lopez. I mean, a lot of the guys who show up to that work for video game companies. I want to see what they put together because like all these guys are just going to throw up levels and like, so, you know, uh, Jules Washam from, uh, oh my God, his company guys on Mutant Muds and Bomb Monkey. I want to see what he puts together. Uh, Kevin Cassidy from Go Nintendo. You know, he's been covering Go Nintendo games for the, what, the last close to 10 years. I want to see what he puts up. Shane, I want to see what you put up. Yeah. Even if it's Goombas who are in the form of a dick, you know, like anything. And like, it's going to be interesting and you could do that. Every month, if you want, every week, someone's going to put something up. Hell, we might have something from like uh, uh, Wario had this thing where you made mini games and you could upload them to the server and you could download these Wario mini games that developers have made. And Nintendo even put that up there. Do, do they have the custom stage maker in uh, Smash Bros. 4? No. They do. Okay. Oh, do they? They do. Yeah, yeah. They're, you have to draw it yourself, though. Oh, okay. Remember, so it's not so it's a little bit more um, so instead of like placing blocks to make something, you could actually draw a face and that be the stage. Huh. I had no idea. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 check out some videos on that stuff, and you can even share the stages with other friends. So if we wanted to do a stage that's in the form of the Geekscape logo, we can do that. Or or a, a dick. Or or, yeah. or the anatomy. Yeah, we can do that as well. <laughs> And then here's the thing, though, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, but even if you do want to make all those stages, you're going to have to wait at least eight days to have the, all the tools available. <laughs> right, because what are they doing with all the items? Yeah, that was uh, that was something that came out of the um, the overview that was causing a little bit of controversy. They're kind of going the Splatoon route where um, I think it said that you have to play with the level creation tools for a minimum of five minutes or how long was it? Something like, like that, yeah. Like five or ten minutes, and then the next day more tools will become unlocked, and it'll be like eight days worth of unlocks before you get everything. What's the logic behind that? I I, I think it's... Let's with, tweet Chris Pranger so you get his thoughts. I think it's... <laughs> with the Splatoon, it's... You know, they only had a certain amount of weapons off the get-go, and I think it's just to get people accustomed to those weapons, because if you just give everybody everything right off the bat... There are going to be a lot of assets to the game that aren't even going to be touched. Yeah, not and, only that, but, it, it, but Splatoon is like a brand new thing too. Right. Uh, so I think with this, you know, you don't want to overwhelm. I mean, there's there's going to be a, a population out there that can you can give them everything and they'll know what to do with it. But for a lot of people who don't, if you don't want to overwhelm your audience, you want to pretty much handhold them for the first eight days. All right, here are these blocks. Learn how to use that first, and then we'll put a little bit more, a little bit more. I, as a teacher, I understand what they're doing. Like, if I'm going to teach grammar, I'm not going to throw hyphens and dashes and semicolons at them on the first day. Tell you what. You're not going to give them that big old punctuation bukkake day one. No, 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 no. Let's just start with commas. 
let's focus on that and only commas for a week can see how they function you know and then after that tell you what then we'll introduce semicolons and then tell you what you want to use a, a substitute for the comma we can use a, a dash not a dash but uh yeah a dash you know we can do that uh, we'll do parentheses you know little by little and then eventually in the span you know of nine months they understand what tools they want to use which one works best for them for an for super mario maker you know they're going to have a ton of assets in there and you want to make sure you feed them little by little let them understand how it works because hell i mean just to understand how the because on the video it looks simple oh look at all the cool stuff you do but I'm sure putting all that stuff together, the timing of when the bullets fly out so your character can actually land on it and go up as a stepladder, uh, at what time do the coins shoot out, the uh, the fire bars, how they spin and what speed and the timing for that, for certain enemies to come. I, it's much more intricate than it gives itself credit for. And I know that for, for the average gamer, that's going to be overwhelming. So you want to kind of go a little by little... Uh, so they don't just get to the point where they throw the Wii U gamepad down and says, you know what, screw this, I'm going to go do something else. I mean, that's that's what I was thinking, that it was kind of this, um, like, gradual, like, tutorial, like, leading out, out to it. Um, uh, but some of those custom, like, Super Mario World levels, like the, like the custom ones that are their own ROMs that are, like, absolutely oh, dude, insane. that's hours and hours and hours of work. Yeah. I mean, hell, I mean, even the original 1-1 world in Super Mario Brothers, that took some time. And, and just trying to copy that, that's going to take some people hours to do. I mean, just to get everything right. And, and once they figure that out, then they're going to alternate. That's the way I'm going to do it. I'm just going to replicate the first stage and then start. Once I understand how it works, then um, add my own little things. Because I'll give you this for as an example. Several years ago, Nintendo put out a make your own game, um, a cart, a cartridge, uh, Mario, Wario, WarioWare, the one that for uh, Nintendo DS could do it yourself. The WarioWare DIY. And if I, and I bought that and that is heavy with programming stuff, like how uh, triggers work and it didn't do too well, but what it allowed you to do was amazing. It allowed you to create your own WarioWare games. And a lot of people, and it didn't do all that well because it, it was a little bit overwhelming for people. So I'm sure Nintendo going forward with Super Mario Maker, they saw, well, let's not make the same mistake we did with that game where we just kind of threw everything. Even with tutorials, it was overwhelming for people. Let's make it really simple. And if we have to slow it down over the course, course of eight days, then so be it. Because we can't do the same mistake we did with Wario with this franchise. Right. And then I personally don't really care one way or another because I'm probably never going to create anything. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff and I don't have any patience. But just to play devil's advocate a little bit, do you think that the same could have been accomplished by letting each player kind of gradually learn at their own pace and have like a kind of like a stepladder tutorial that would let them learn as they go as opposed to forcing them to wait if they wanted to go farther? I'm not sure about that. No, um, uh, I um I have uh, in one of the games I've played this week um called From the Depths. Um, they have I'll, I'll get into it when we, when we get to our game section at the end. Um, but I'll bring it back to Mario Maker. Trust me. All right, and uh, we just had a break for a second. Uh, Juan Carlos had to go. He had to take care of the pregnant wifey. Uh, I hate that word, wifey. It's almost uh, it's not it's not waifu, but wifey. So um. He had to uh, dip out 
I wonder if he's still, no, he's still not on the Skype call. So, um, Josh, um, tell us about EA Access and how you are tempted to get it now. Yeah, because with EA Access, I really had no interest in it at first. And especially when the initial game lineup released, it was just outside of Need for Speed. It was just mostly sports games. But uh, last week, they announced and released uh, that uh, released Dragon's Age Inquisition for the service. So basically, if you're unfamiliar, the service is exclusive to Xbox One, where you can either pay $5 a month or $30 a year. And it gives you a subscription where you can download a certain list of EA games for no additional charge outside of that subscription. In addition, now, is, to it, being... is it download or is it stream? Um, I believe it's download. Okay. I'm not completely sure, though. But um, in addition to that, they also let you play new games before they're released, where it's almost like a free trial period, but they give you the whole game during that time. So, for example, like Battlefront, when it comes out, is likely going to be released maybe a few days early for EA Access members. And Do you think they're going to do it with a AAA title like that? They're, they're already advertising Battlefront for it. They just haven't announced the specific details. But if you go on the website, it says it has Battlefront as like the main game that, they're sh um, that they have a screenshot for where it says you could play games before they're released. Hmm. So yeah, See, so that's another big I, reason. I, I would be surprised if they actually... I don't know, maybe EA makes weird choices. Like, that seems like a game that they... Well, fuck, I don't know. I mean, they want to keep people in their ecosystem. I'm, I it, it, I have mixed on that prediction. Right. Like, I have no idea. Like, since I, like I said, it was completely off my radar until last week. So I don't know in the past how much of a head start they've given people. But what they are promising, and I, what I do know for sure, is that they do give you the full game. They give it to you early. And it's for fr essentially for free. It's part of the subscription. And then on the day that the game comes out, you lose access to it, but you keep your save file. So if you decide to buy the main game, you could just load it up, and it's like if you never, it's like if you never stop playing, essentially. And then down the road, if it gets added to the standard EA Access Vault, then you're gonna have full access to the game anyway, as long as you're still a member. Hmm. Now, is it, why is what's your big draw to the service? Just the, um, just, just the early access or just their catalog? Well, the early access is a, is just icing on the cake. But as far as I'm concerned, the $30 a year membership, and especially because I just got a new uh, Xbox One external hard drive so I can hold a lot more. <laughs> it's like for $30, I could play Need for Speed Arrivals, uh, Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare, and Dragon Age Inquisition, which are the only three games on the service right now that I'm particularly interested in. But that's already more than worth the price like $30 for those three games and then on top of being able to play Battlefront early oh Battlefield 4 is also part of it and I haven't played that at all either so that's four games that I would play that I wouldn't have other I most likely wouldn't have otherwise hey you're uh you're bumping the mic a little bit oh okay so, sorry uh you I, I yeah I have I have Battlefield 4 and the uh like their premium edition or like yeah, Battlelog Premium, where you get all the expansions. It's a season pass, ostensibly, um, on the PC. And I haven't fucking played that thing in forever. I heard it had a lot of launch issues when it came out. Uh, n no, Battlefield Three certainly did. Battlefield okay. Three certainly did. Battlefield Four was, the, oh well, the thing with Battlefield Four is that their net code was really shitty. It was client side, so if you like shot a guy and he crouched um behind a rock, if if your computer was slow 
and it still your computer itself still registered that you hit the guy before it got the update that he crouched behind the rock, it would kill him. It would still oh, right. count. It would still count as his death. So that was the big issue with uh, with it. Yeah, and that kind of precision is important in a shooter like that. So I could see why people were upset. Yeah. But I mean, because I mean, you don't have the Xbox though. So I mean, is that something that'll sway you at all? No, no, I, 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 I don't see myself getting an Xbox One, uh, unless it like comes on like super sale. There was a sale going on. I think it was Target or Best Buy, like a forty-inch Samsung TV and an Xbox One for five hundred bucks, um, which is a pretty good deal. But there's just nothing on that platform that makes me want to go jump to it. Yeah. No, it's funny. I don't know if you remember at the time when EA Access first launched and uh, they offered it to both Xbox and PlayStation and PlayStation turned it down because they said they didn't believe it was a value to their customers. While at the same time, they were launching PlayStation Now, which is like $20 a month to be able to stream as opposed to $30 a year. So (laughs) it's just one of those things where in reality, they said it was because they didn't think it was a value, but in reality, they didn't want to host a competing, uh, competing, a competing service. Absolutely. So, but no, I mean, I'm, I definitely feel like I might be more on board with it with games like Dragon Age. Right on. Uh, Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into games we've played? Uh, no, just wanted to touch on Rock Band's deal, uh, where if you're a PlayStation Plus member and you pre-order it, you get an extra 10 songs. Uh, and, do, we, do we have a list of those songs? Um, I'm pulling it up right now, but um, on top of the list that's already... Because they've been slowly releasing um, more and more songs that are going to be on the main set list, and we've talked about that uh, before on previous uh, episodes. And it's like, on one hand, that's cool and all, but since it has to be digital i'm like eh, i'm still not on board with um digital games if i have the choice of getting it on disc so so you have to pre-order the digital version Uh, i believe so because it's tied to uh, playstation plus i'm double checking right now though yeah pre-order the digital rock band 4 game and receive 10 additional songs Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, I don't, remember. I don't like that. Um, the only games I get digitally are games that you can o- that are only released digitally. Yeah, same here. I, it, but it's weird. On my PC, like all my games are digital. Let's see. It's weird. Maybe maybe because like consoles are like really locked down. Right, right. And then I have the list here now. Um, it says that the bonus songs include "All That Remains," "Divide," uh, "Blitz Kids," "Run for Cover." Bring Me the Horizon by Thorn, Dead Sarah no, by no, bring, Mona bring, Lisa. Bring Me to the Horizon is the band. Oh, so, the song reading, is thrown. Oh, they have it listed the opposite on the site <laughs> that I'm reading off of. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, Duran Duran, The Reflex, Janis Joplin, Move Over, Of Mice and Men, Would You Still Be There, Oh Honey, Sugar You, Pantera, Cowboys from Hell. Uh, live the live version live from Monsters in Moscow Festival and then Sea Stick Steve Summertime Boy. Sea Stick so, with that name. Yeah, um, so I mean, I, I there's one two songs on there that make me want. The two, two of those songs are the only one, like interest me. Yeah, same here. I was gonna say the exact same thing. So it's definitely not enough to suck up an extra twenty gigs off of my minuscule PlayStation hard drive that they won't add external hard um, hard drive support to. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with the last uh, five Rock Band games worth of DLC that I bought on the previous generation. Hmm. All right. Um, well, what do you say we get into what we've been playing? All right, perfect. Yeah, what have you, go what ahead did, and start. Oh, you want me to start? Yeah, go, go for okay. it. Okay. So um, I've played uh, a few games this week. 
Um, two of them are insanely hard. Uh, I, t- I talked about From the Depths uh, back when we were talking about Mario Maker. From the Depths is a kind of like a Minecraft uh, like builder game, but it takes place on like this water world type planet where you can build uh, ships, submarines, and airships. And I think you can even build um, spaceships. Uh, it's early access right now. It's been out for about a year. But um, it is it is incredibly detailed and incredibly hard. Like, you have to build the engines. So there's engines, there's cylinders, there's carburetors, there's um, uh, superchargers, there's gas tanks. Um, you, have, you can build AI controllers that will automatically control your weapons and your, your turning. Um, it's, it's got a super advanced building, uh, mechanic where you can like, if you, uh, you can build like mirrors, so you can have like a, like a mirrored plane that goes down the keel of the ship. So you can like automatically duplicate the ship on both sides. There's tons of different, um, uh, control options. The, like the, and the tutorial is so, you know, we talked about Mario Maker spreading things out and you're giving everybody all these features at once. Um, Th- that is, that's what this game suffers from. It, the tutorial section is, here's a bunch of YouTube videos from the community. Here's a couple of tutorials that don't explain everything. Um, and here's the manual. And I, I was on it for, for three, four hours last night. And I'm still not 100% sure how it works. <laughs> like, when you start single player, it's like, don't do this unless you're a master at shipbuilding. And I'm like, oh, fucking, okay. All right. Um... It's uh, it's really cool. Uh, the single player has you kind of uh, like you have like an oil rig where you can like mine for oil or mine for metal and scrap. Uh, you can build giant flying fortresses like the hover carrier from uh, Avengers. Uh, you can. What I really want to do is I want to build a submarine with um, balloon deployers so I can go to the surface, deploy big ass balloons, and turn the submarine into an airship. Um, that like that's some of the stuff you can do. Um. The controls are are, are super um, like in depth. Like when, when you're like under under the water and you're you, you, there's a lot of um, you can turn on like water pumps to create buoyancy. You can flood your ship with water to like balance it out. Uh, it's it's just super in depth. It's on PC right now. Uh, I would check it out. It's 25 bucks early access, uh, but I would I would give it a spin. I think it's um. Like if you're into that stuff, it's it's Minecraft but fucking pushed like full throttle. It's uh, you got to spend some time on it. Um, another game I've been playing um, is also an early access game. Uh, it's called TIS 100, and this is so fucking hard. Um, it uh, it's a puzzle game where you play a character um, who found this old computer at a junkyard, and you are trying to repair the computer. But to repair the computer, you have to write assembly language programming code in these modules to repair them so the computer can work. Um, and it's all it looks it looks like a DOS prompt. It's all black and white. And you you basically are presented with a puzzle and it says, all right. Um, uh, and and when you enter a segment, there's these nodes that you write your code in and then they 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 run your program. And then there's, um, I think there's four cross, four high, or three high, three high, four cross, three high uh, of these nodes, and some of them are damaged, so you have to like work around them. But the point is, is that when you start a start a puzzle, uh, you're presented with a list of objectives. So like, all right, there's there's an A input and there's a B input. 
um, you need to send those two inputs to output X. If it's if input A is lower than input B, you need to write the number one to uh, to output Z. If the other is higher, you need to output a zero. Uh, so you have to do like all this this like really hard problem solving, like um, and it's all in code. So say like your block is right below input A. The first code is move the up input. You have to type this these words out. Move up input to down input, or um, move it to the accumulator and save it to memory. Um, and then you have to say if input A is less than zero, you have to. Like, it's it's really 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 complicated. And I'm. <laughs> it sounds like it. it's really complicated, but um, it's really fun. It's really fun. And like I'll throw my head up against a puzzle for a couple of hours. And then uh, go to YouTube and I watch a guy that's like, well, I used to program in assembly, so let me show you how to do this. And it's and he just like spits through it. And I'm like, I can't, I, 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 I just, I, I don't think that way. But um, like moving numbers to the, the accumulator and then sending them to another node only so that that node can hang on to that number so you can compare it to the next number and then like swap it from your backup to the accumulator. Like, And then there's sub programs. So like you can run a start program and then a, uh, a you know, a uh, variable one program which runs a different set of code and then a variable two program that runs a different set of code and then you have to tell it to jump around um it's it's really fun it's really hard uh it's on pc it's on steam for about seven bucks um it's really cool though i, I would say everybody give it a try it's early access too so they're constantly adding levels and i noticed that in some of the levels <clears throat> um the the tutorial like basically they give you a string of numbers that um, uh, so like, hey, here's what your input is going to be um, in, in in this order, and this is what the expected output is supposed to be. So you know, like, okay, if this number comes in, you have to double it, and then you have to count the integers. So this is what the output should be. So you so you can kind of work backwards, but the fourth string of numbers is always random. So your program, your code's got to work by the fourth string, otherwise you just got to start over. Um, <laughs> it's it's that, it's really cool. It sounds like it could be like stealth educational almost well assembly assembly isn't really used anymore just because it's like so obsolete but it, it gets you thinking like a programmer and i know right. I, I know will i am would love that <laughs> um, yeah because it's like i don't know oh, it just sounds really interesting like every every couple of weeks you're always playing something that's like really really like out there and interesting that i would have never heard of otherwise and it's awesome it, it's it, it, it pc master race you got to get on that master race bandwagon yeah, which is why you need to play that uh, Fairy Fencer F game that I was telling you about. I I will. I'll have to get. It. I looked into it, and I I'll, I'll have to get it. Um, yeah. The the last game I played this week that was new. Um, I played Destiny, and I was working on my year one requirement. So I finally got all my golden chests. I finally got all my public events. Now I just got to beat uh, Crota on hard and the Prison of Elders on hard. So if anybody wants to help me, add me SS Jaken on PlayStation uh, PSN. But I um. Uh, we talked about a few months ago the Halo Online, you know that um, Halo like free to play multiplayer um, game that's only released in Russia. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. So um, I, I figured that there's got to be a way to play that in America, and there is. Uh, some alpha, uh, some of the alpha <laughs> files got leaked, and some guy um, named El Durido um, m- modified this launcher to. Um, uh, like update the files and let you play on private servers. 
So I figured it out. I got I got the files. I got the the launcher, and I was playing on a server in Canada. It was really laggy. It was about 158 ping, which if anybody's played played games online, you know that 158 ping is not ideal. Anything under 100 is is optimal. So it would lag um, a lot, and it was there's since everything is like being translated from Russian. There's a lot of like a lot of the menus are lost, and there's no real like control scheme. Um, but I picked it up. It's Halo 3 multiplayer with, um, you know, some Halo 4 features. Um, it's, uh, it, it is, it is what it is. It's nothing amazing, but, um, the, there's a Halo online subreddit that gives you instructions on how to install it. Um, and there's been some, uh, a lot of coverage about how much people in America want it that they're going through and, um, and hacking the, the, the launcher to play it. Uh, it's fun, but it, it's Halo. It's 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 nothing different than Halo Three multiplayer. So you're not you're not gonna get this new amazing experience. But they have they have like some custom maps, and it's it's just fun. It's just a it's just it was fun to actually like get into it and see what it was all about. Right, right. And it's funny too because it's like it's not like anyone wants to play Halo online, right? <laughs> exactly. The thing is, is it's Halo Three on PC, which. Everybody has been like, like they released Halo on on Windows XP. Um, the only way you could play Halo Two on PC was to have Vista or higher, and Halo Three didn't get a release on PC, and everybody wanted it. Um, so this is gonna, probably going to be the best thing to get a Halo game on the PC. Yeah, and hopefully it ends up working out pretty well, and they have a wider audience for it because. If you want to play Halo online on Xbox One, it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> still trying, still trying to get that. Like I honestly haven't tried it in a few months, but it was after they supposedly fixed it, and it still wasn't working, and I haven't touched it since. But anyway, enough of the Halo woes. Yeah, what have you been playing? Um, just a lot of the same stuff. Um, I was playing more of Yu-Gi-Oh, and that game. The most frustrating thing about it, and I just put up a review yesterday. But the game has like 6,600 cards or something insane like that. But they're only split up amongst maybe about 30 different types of booster packs. So there's like hundreds and hundreds of cards in each pack. And there's no, uh, there's no like master list or card list that tells you how many cards are in each pack or what cards you already have came from what packs or anything. So it's like there's actually a small community now that's banded together and is making a Google Doc <laughs> where they're just adding the cards they get from each pack into the doc so that they can manually put together a card list so people. So it know doesn't where to get. it it doesn't mimic the real life card packs like they're their own they're their own card packs. So you're not getting like you know uh, I can't remember any of the releases from Yu Gi Oh when I used to play, but you're so you're not getting like it's it's not mimicking the normal release. Right, no, it's like in-game packs. Like, there's a few packs that mimic the, that are at least named after the uh, few of the real life releases. But I don't know if they actually have the same cards as the real life ones. Okay. But yeah, and that's a. It's just such a weird thing because Yu-Gi-Oh, like the PSP Yu-Gi-Oh games are probably always be my favorite, and they were actually the first games that got me into the whole waifu simulator thing because <laughs> it had this weird mechanic where you had to find like you were your own custom character. And you had to play tag team matches with characters from the show. And in order to get them to team up with you, you had to, like, find out what their favorite food was or find out the kind of things they like to talk about and just basically seduce them to play with you. <laughs> sounds, so, like, sounds like a pretty good, pretty good deal. Yeah. And that game used, like, the authentic packs. And the actual cards in the packs weren't 100% accurate. But, you know, it had listings. It had a really easy way to track it. So even though the game is fun, it 
to play. It's that's definitely one of the most frustrating things about it, especially now that I'm further into it and the single player content is kind of winding down. Um, but outside of that, I was just trying to clean up a few of the trophies on J Star's Victory Versus, um, and just running through that a little bit. It's like I've said before, it's a fun little fighting game, and it's full of uh, references to a ton of different anime. But and that's on the Vita, right? It's Vita, PS4, and PS3, I believe. Ah, I gotta get that. And I think it's crossplay, so like you can play with people on like between PS4 and PS3 and Vita online. So right on. that'd be great to play with friends or people who listen to the show, and not someone who's gonna rage quit on me every time. <laughs> but that's a. <laughs> But yeah, that's another story. And then lastly, I was playing more of Rare Replay. And some of those games, like some of the 80s games, are really, really bad. And I'm sure they were... <laughs> it's like, I'm sure they were great for their time and all, which is why they're on the collection. But, like, have you ever played, like, Saber Wolf or... I don't even remember what some of these games were called. Like, the skiing game... There's just some really, really, really weird games that Rare put out before the NES days that I was never aware of. Like, the only one that I've played that was a lot of fun was Jetpack, Jetpack. which, if you remember, was, like, a hidden minigame in Donkey Kong 64. Uh, I never played Donkey Kong 64. Oh, yeah, that one, um, like, Jetpack was, like, you're just, you have to collect, well, in the first stage, you have to build your spaceship by jumping on these little platforms and grabbing each piece and putting it together, and then in subsequent levels, you have to find fuel in every new level and avoid enemies while you do it. And it's a fun little game. They actually remade it for Xbox 360 as an Xbox Live Arcade game, which is also part of the collection. It it actually originally came out in 1983 on the ZX Spectrum or the ZX Spectrum and the VIC 200. Yeah, so that's it was what Brit- all those games a, were. That's right, Spectrum. Yeah, it was a uh, British uh, computer. I mean, I, I think the Spectrum came out over here, but uh, it that's a British that's a British uh, computer. Like most of the stuff is over in the UK. Yeah, you would think most of the stuff in the UK is British, but yeah, like outside of that, fuck that's pretty you. much it. But the whole time, I'm, uh, what happened? I said, "Fuck you." <laughs> oh, <laughs> no! But outside of that, uh, that's pretty much it. It's been a light week for me, and the whole time I'm just sitting here wishing that I could play more Neptunia. <laughs> but there is no more Neptunia to play. Although I learned that Neptune's going to become a motorcycle in the Sega Hard Girls game. So there's that. <laughs> there's that for you. Um, I I wanted to say that I've been playing Destiny. Um, if you are, um, if you go to your Bungie.net profile, there's um, a list of stuff that you if if you can complete by. Let me go as of the recording on fuck. How do you spell Bungie? Uh, if as of recording, uh, 7:47 p.m. Alaska time, uh, August 13th. Um, there your moments of triumph. Um, it's like a series of objectives that they want you to complete and you'll get a um you'll get a uh an emblem um so you have to uh reach level 20 defeat the 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 beat the game the original game um prevent somebody of crota soul so beat the dark below uh beat the what's the one house of wolves um beat prison of elders on hard um beat the vault of glass on hard uh beat crota on hard do 50 public events uh win 100 crucible matches and get all the golden chests and we have 25 days and 20 hours left as of this recording to finish it so go out there guys and get it i'm looking for people to help me do prison of elders and crota on hard i just need those two things so um i don't even think i'm 
at the level of like I don't think I'm at high enough level to do the Prison of Elders. So, did you get the game yet? No, okay. I passed because you told me to pass. Okay, good. Because I was gonna say if you said yes, I was gonna be quite cross with you, quite cross with you. Uh, mission objectives. Um, we asked you guys last week uh, what toys to life game uh, would you like to see. Um, we prefaced it with like what property from your past would you like to see turn into a toys from life game. But people have been just giving us a flurry of of answers. Um, so uh, let me go. What we got? Uh, Dev uh, Dev C said a garbage pale kid Skylander s game would be dope. Imagine all the disturbing figure figures hanging in GameStop. Uh, Krista G said uh, Doom ninety eight Polly Pocket. Um, I I looked up Doom ninety eight. I, I don't think is a thing. I think she might be meaning Doom ninety five, but it, it can be played on Windows ninety eight. I'm just getting. Pe- pedantic um danielle p said sky dancers do you know do you remember sky dancers vaguely they're like those princess dolls with wings that you put on a little thing and spin them around oh yeah right they were like those spinning top like those flying top things except they were had women attached to them (laughs) women attached to them um my pega sister kaylee h uh said uh mlp amiibo duh uh so i'm on i'm on board uh i mean we're, we're in the same headspace uh, Stonewall D said, uh, crash test dummies. Um, uh, I think that would be amazing. Like, do you remember crash test dummies? Like you're old enough to remember crash test dummies. Yeah. Anything from the ad council used to scare the crap out of me. So yeah, I remember them. <laughs> um, still does actually. Yeah. He said, uh, they were uh, little action figures that, uh, that are, uh, meant to be, cause he was uh, having a conversation back and forth with somebody on Facebook. And he said there were little action figures that were meant to be destroyed and put back together. Um, it would be, it would be on points. Um, uh, do, 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 uh, Curtis H said pogs, uh, Robert R said Pokemon, um, and then Stonewall is here talking about po- uh, pogs. Um, if they can make a movie out of Battleship, then we should get a movie about a milkman saving the world with milk caps in an intergalactic war game. <laughs> That'd Zo- be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Zoe C said green army men. Devlin C said no relation, uh, said hot wheels, uh dominic g said street sharks uh that would be that'd be kind of cool um troy l said fingerboards ha 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 no no one else um fingerboards <laughs> uh william e said uh super excited about lego dimensions especially the back to the futures packs uh, maybe we would like to see a re-up of something with power rangers i know um eric francisco would love that um Theodore U said Lincoln Logs, and then Curtis H came back and said Barrel of Monkeys, um, and then Matthew K said GI Joe. Um, all really good answers. Do you have any responses? Yeah, I have a few. Okay. Um, Daniel S said those Happy Meal toys from the '90s where they transformed in the food. Yeah, those were cool. <laughs> and then uh, Andrew W said uh, Transformers Generation One. Um, Ash P said the D arts Mega Man X figures and Lumar R said common writer figure arts. So yeah, that'd, be so that's ex- all I got. that'd be expensive as fuck. Figure arts are like 90 bucks a pop, aren't they? Yeah. Which makes them all the more worth it. Ugh. Imagine if they were as rare as Amiibo, they'd be so much more expensive. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, um, you got the mission objective in the chat, right, Josh? Yeah, I got okay, it. Okay. So our mission objective this week is what game did you hate at first, but grew to love? So take it away, Josh. That one's easy for me. That was probably Earthbound, Ugh. which I rented it because it had that. I don't know if you remember when it came out. It had this giant box. Yeah. And it was because the instruction book for the game was the strategy guide. 
Oh, okay. And I think Nintendo's logic was that the game was going to be harder than most of their games, so they wanted people to be able to use the guide to finish it. So, like, the giant box got my attention at Blockbuster, and it's hard to imagine that Blockbuster would carry Earthbound knowing how rare the game ended up being. That's Earthbound on the SNES, right? Yeah. And I rented it, and it was my first RPG ever. I had no idea what an RPG was at the time. And it was, like, the most boring, plodding thing ever, not to mention that it was really frustrating because, like, the early enemies would kill you really easy if you didn't know what you are doing. And I returned it, and my neighbor played it a lot, though, and then he told me, oh, yeah, you should just buy it. And he talked me into talking my mom into buying it for me. And then I started it over, and I ended up loving it, and it turned out that my neighbor hated it when I liked it, and he said that he was just telling me to buy it to mess with me. Because it was a terrible game. What a dick! But, but, I yeah, I don't think he meant it though, because he literally finished like a majority of the game before I took back my rental. So he's probably just being a dick. I, I know that that game boxed, um, uh, I mean unboxed, uh, like a, a loose cart, like listings. Buy it now, sixty dollars. Buy it now, hundred and uh, eighty-five dollars. That seems a huge disparity. Um, complete inbox open, seven hundred dollars. Uh, some of them are fifteen hundred dollars sealed. Like that's an expensive ass fucking expensive fucking game. Yep, and I trashed it. Ugh, yeah, I, I've I've trashed a lot of games myself. So, um, my response um has to be uh Forsaken sixty four. Do you remember that game? Oh God, I remember the commercials. Yeah, so that that's what it was. Um, the commercials sold me on the game as a kid. It came out in ninety eight, I believe. Uh, let me look here. Yes, ninety eight. Uh, I came out in 98 and the commercials sold me. It was like a bunch of new metal playing, which is exactly what I was into at the time. And it was like four player ex- intense combat. And it was it, like the future is forsaken. Yeah. The future is forsaken. That. Like that was, that was like <laughs> that, um, that is instilled in my head. The future is forsaken. Um, that used to be my old, like windows log on password for like my first computer in like the early two thousands. Um, forsaken but, one. Uh, no, the future is forsaken. Um, yeah. and, um, like the the commercials just sold me on it, and I was like, I gotta get it, I gotta get it, I gotta get it. And the girl in the box had like a tattoo on her face, and she's crying, and it's like, this is amazing. So um, it's like it's like Descent. It's a like full like you're on like hover cycles and fighting in 3D space. I got that game, plugged it in, and was just like instantly like, this is not fun in the slightest. Oh my god, <laughs> what a mistake I made, the biggest mistake. And I had my neighbor and I like we hyped each other up for it like crazy and um it uh it just uh like it was such a letdown and like it sat on my shelf for like a few years like i barely played it and um and then um uh i can't remember what it was i think it was just like like around the holidays or something i was like super bored i'm like fuck it let's pop in forsaken and i was enthralled like i just had to keep playing it like first i guess maybe i was a couple years older but just just crushing through it and it, it was it, it became one of my favorite games on the um n64 and four player multiplayer with that once you get the maps memorized and know where the weapon upgrades are you could have a lot of fucking fun um so it, it it's it's one of my all-time favorite games especially for the console because um i mean that console was good but it it suffered technology or you know power wise um from the uh the uh the competition at the time did you, right. do, you do you ever play forsaken no, I never played it. I saw the commercial and I wanted to, and then I think when it came out, reviews were really terrible, and I didn't want to waste money on the rental if it was going to be really bad. So, and it wasn't just like the typical 
like review bad review where it's kind of like oh this has no re like this isn't uh you know this could do a lot of things better or whatever it was one of those like oh this game is like really really bad reviews really because i i would usually just at least rent stuff even if the reviews are bad but these are the like really damning reviews so i never actually got to play it hmm. but now i know it's obviously a mistake so yeah, and um, uh, doing some research on this uh, title, I found out that the source code got released in 2007, and there's a big fan base that um, has it, um, uh, that they're continuing developing it and upgrading it, so I'm going to look into that, because this game was fucking fun, and the soundtrack was so on point, so on point. Huh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, like I haven't. That's, that's it for uh, Geekscape Games Level 41, um, so uh, hit us up with your... Um, Respond. Wait, 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 oh, wait. Oh, we oh. have one more. We have one more I announcement forgot. to make. God, thank you so much. <laughs> so I'm pulling up the winning uh, post now. We did our random number generator to um, choose the winner of our Darth Vader giveaway. Yes, finally, like three weeks later. <laughs> right. So we took all the entries. We threw them in a number generator came out with a number and it turns out our winner is joshua quinteros who was very adamant about winning this contest he was asking me for a very long time like oh when are you going to do the contest like oh, when are you going to pick them pick me pick me and it seems like those uh pleas paid off because yes. his uh his image for his disney infinity collection has won him one more figure to add to that collection Absolutely. so congratulations and you know there's no collusion i ran the i ran the custom number generators at mathgoodies.com slash calculator slash random number custom so um uh, i can confirm this was completely random so congratulations josh so we'll be reaching out to you uh josh since it's your fig i'll let you reach out to him how about that Perfect. I'll take care of it. Absolutely. So, yes. Um, okay. Back to the exit. Uh, this is episode 41 of the Geekscape Games podcast. Uh, send us in the responses to the mission objective. What game did you get that you absolutely hated, but it slowly grew on you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a game that you loved and became your favorite game, just a game that grew on you. As always, you can find us at geekscape.net. Find us on Twitter at Geekscape Games. I'm at Shane O'Hare on Twitter, SSJakin on PSN and Steam. And I'm Inu Joshua at just about everywhere you could find me. Yes, and uh, the the early exited Juan Carlos is at King of Mars, the King of Mars on Twitter, and the underscore King underscore of uh, King of Mars with underscores on PSN and uh, Derek Cranville is at D Cranville and he's Captain K12 on PSN so uh, we'll um, thanks for listening guys um, share um, share the podcast with somebody you think the, that'll like it uh, hit us up on SoundCloud give us a like on SoundCloud give us a review on SoundCloud give us a review on iTunes help us out um, we really appreciate the spike in listeners it's really good um, uh, and we love doing the show for you so um Thanks for all the support, guys. We're coming up on uh, 52 episodes pretty soon. That's going to be a year. It's 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 going to be interesting to see uh, listen to episode one and listen to episode 52. I mean, yeah, and see how see how far we've come in our drunken ramble. <laughs> That's it. So right, we'll see you guys back here next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.